0: Talk. Stop right there. I'm in.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of the DC Films Podcast. My name is Roy, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Sark Sarkeesian. Hey there. Excited to be here. And our new co-host today is Jessica Rossi. Hey, Jessica.
0: Hey, guys. So psyched to be here.
1: So uh, we got a lot of news to uh, cover this week. A couple of big things. um, We got uh, Megan Fox is... Being rumored to uh, play Poison Ivy, we're going to talk a little bit about that, and you know, get some of our reactions. And also, the Batman and Gotham City Sirens are on the block for today, so we're going to talk about that. And then a little bit later on, we will get into uh, our choices for the director of the Flash movie after the last one left. Plus, we'll look a little bit into why that director left and uh, what we can expect. Hopefully in the future from a Flash movie. So let's let's talk about what's on everybody's minds right now, on the tip of everybody's tongues. Everyone has something to say about it. Uh, it all started uh, with a little article from BleedingCool.com that speculated it, in an article called Speculator's Corner that uh, Megan Fox was on track to play the role of Poison Ivy in the upcoming Gotham City Sirens film, which we'll talk a little bit about later on uh but what i want to do is just to clear the air very quickly um <laughs> the the information uh that was given to bleedingcool.com was basically an online shopping history and how they got that they did not explain but it definitely ups the creepiness factor i think a little bit um but basically <laughs> their their rationality for it is that based on the shopping history Bleeding Cool determined that Megan Fox had ordered three comic books uh, to read from the Harley Quinn series pre-New 52, pre-52, in fact, when they had the old DC logo in the circle with the stars. Um, it was Harley Quinn's issue 14 and 17, which which both feature uh, uh, an appearance by Poison Ivy, and then issue 38, which uh, uh, focuses more on Gotham City Police. So... Based on that information that BleedingCool.com got, they are drawing the conclusion that Megan Fox is planning to play Poison Ivy in Gotham City Sirens. So I just wanted to get your guys' opinion. Um, Jessica, what do you think about the rumor of Megan Fox playing, and, and do you think she would be a good choice, or do you have something better in mind for that character?
0: I mean, of course, it's a rumor because they barely have any evidence on it, right? But like, um, the fact that they even have the access to her shopping history is questionable enough as it is. Like, clearly, they have way too much time on their hands, and um, for <laughs> for um, her actually being that role, if it is, if there is any truth to it, I mean. I personally don't really see her playing that role. I actually picked out my own choices <laughs> if if, um, if she were even to make an appearance. And um, I think that maybe, like, either Emma Stone or Amy Adams could be a way better Poison Ivy than her. And I just, I don't know, I just don't really... I can't picture it. I just feel like she doesn't have a lot of range as far as acting. And, I mean, yeah, maybe she's expressed um, a desire to do it because of her interest in uh, comics and whatever, but that doesn't mean that she would be a good Poison Ivy, you know?
1: Yeah, I hear you. Sark, what is your opinion? What do you think about uh, about Megan Fox playing Poison
2: Ivy? Yeah, you know, I'm really not that familiar with her work, but um, from what I've seen, I know that... Sometimes we'll hear a lot of criticism about Megan Fox and her ability to act, whether she's just, you know, mostly superficial, (laughs) she's just good looks, perhaps. I, you know, I think she could possibly pull off the role. I'll be honest with you. Maybe I'm not uh, up on current talent as I should be, but she just wouldn't have been my first choice. She wouldn't have been the first one to come to mind. And then, of course, with the with the idea that um, the hardcore evidence for her being cast in the role was her ordering of three specific comic books. That, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but that just doesn't sound like a lot of uh, sub- substantive evidence um, that that's where we're headed. But, I mean, I, I have nothing against her personally. I think I'm, I'm more like Jessica. I can even not knowing all of the, uh, the talent that's out there that could capably pull off the role, I can easily think of like three or four actresses that I would love to see in that role before I would think of Megan Fox. And again, that's not meant to be personal.
1: Yeah, so I'm kind of on the same page because there are so many other different um, comic books, stories, or arcs that one could use as a basis mm-hmm. for research. Simply, simply buying two issues of a Harley Quinn comic um, from years ago. It's not even a current version of the character from years ago, when, when Poison Ivy was still green-skinned. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it wouldn't even be a good starting point for doing research on the character of Poison Ivy. You'd want to go all the way back to, like, the 1970s comic books to see, like, what her motivation is. She's essentially an eco-terrorist who uses her feminine wiles to get what she wants and, and to manipulate... Uh, uh, anyone, basically, who is standing in her way. And who better to play that role than, I guess, for the time was was Uma Thurman. I mean, we can't really do much worse than Uma Thurman, but uh, uh, you know, as far as playing a current version of Poison Ivy, you know, you have to look beyond who has the biggest sex appeal right now, because Mm -hmm. Poison Ivy is not is not just a sexy character she uses uh uh, she uses her um feminine wiles like i said before to you know uh, uh, as a means to an end so Mm -hmm. megan megan fox just being sexy for the sake of being sexy i think is just you know playing to her strengths i'll give her that but it also will make me feel like I'm watching a Michael Bay movie because, you know, the only reason that she's in his movies is to play the, is to play the hot female lead. And mm-hmm. it, 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 I feel like that doesn't do her justice. That doesn't do the character justice. And that's not what, what the character or this movie should be about, especially since it's the first uh, uh, superhero movie that's going to focus solely on female heroes and villains. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: I, I think that we have some history too, of seeing Warner brothers and DC tending to go with actors that bring a certain amount of gravitas to the role. It's not just that they're popular or just that their name is known, but I mean, all the way back to Batman from 1989, you know, and, and Nicholson having, um, you know, taking the lead spot in terms of, uh, you know, being the most viable and most uh well known and established actor on the slate for that movie. And then right. you know, look at Superman the movie. Um what made that uh that movie so so real was that you had big names um and you can help me with them I'm sure but like Marlon Brando, even though Christopher Reeve was an unknown, you know, the supporting cast. Uh right. who right who played Jonathan Kent? I can't think of his name right now. Glenn Ford. Yeah. Glenn Ford yeah. for established Actors that had um, in, impeccable resumes. Oh, Susanna, and, um,
1: the guy who played Perry White too. Um, yes, uh,
2: Cooper, Jackie Cooper, Jackie Cooper. Yeah, yeah. He, yes. was, he was a big time actor back then too. Yes, exactly. And so, and we've seen that uh, with the Dark Knight trilogy. You've got your Morgan Freeman. You've got your uh, who played Alfred. I'm losing his Michael name. Caine. Michael Caine. Okay. You know these actors populate the movie in such a way where it gives uh, an enormous amount of credibility j- just you know, out of the gate uh, so that I think the audiences are going to tend to take them more seriously and we certainly want to see all of the DCEU films taken more seriously say than a Transformers film and I'm not trying to knock on Transformers <laughs> if that's your thing or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Again, not knocking anything but I think we who are invested <laughs> emotionally uh and intellectually in these films we certainly want to see actors that command respect immediately not have to earn respect from the film
1: that's right and and you bring up a good point with all these well established actors being you know being in these movies with these relatively unknown stars like back back in 1978 when superman came out almost nobody knew who christopher reeve was and then all of a right. sudden he's superman and mm-hmm. you know you build up the credibility of of the main actor uh, with uh, by surrounding him with right. a supporting cast of all these well-known and established actors who can essentially build him up to be mm-hmm. t- to seem better than he is i mean all and it works not just back then in the 70s you can see it permeating through film yes. cinema th- today um yes. For example, the Suicide Squad movie. Do you think anybody would have gone to see that if 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 Will Smith wasn't uh, cast as Deadshot? You know, because before before the movie Focus and before the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, who was Margot Robbie? Nobody right. would have known who she was, and they would have been like, "Where well, you get this? No name to play Harley Quinn, um, mm-hmm. but put her with Will Smith." Yeah. Especially since they had previously acted together, and you know, now you have that little bit more of credibility to say okay maybe she can pull it off especially since i've seen the way she acts with will smith before you know so um it what it comes down to at that point is now she has built up enough credibility where she can get this movie done she margot robbie has been a driving force behind getting the gotham city sirens movie uh getting the green light for that so you know now it's about getting a script, getting a cast, getting a good team together, to uh, to make this. This is this is going to be a big, important film not just in not just for superhero films, but in films in general, because the only other film that we had to look forward to, featuring an all female cast, uh, uh, I'm not going to say Ghostbusters because everybody knows what happened with Ghostbusters, but was The Expendables. Um, you know, um, Sylvester Stallone did his three Expendables movies, and then he was like, "You know what? Let's bring in a lot of female. Let's bring in some female actors, and and we'll do that." That movie, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's still happening or if it's just been put on the back burner for the time being while Sly Stallone takes care of some other stuff. But you know, it's basically now the first action movie featuring. And mostly or all female cast is going to be a DC film. Not even Marvel had the had the wherewithal to come up with this idea. You know, let's let's get some female heroes together and just focus on them. Um, yes, that's and, and DC is is pioneering in that front already. And and I hate I hate to bring up this movie, but you know they did do a Catwoman solo movie, and it had nothing to do with. Uh, the actual character of Catwoman is a completely different character a completely different backstory. It was like uh, a complete reinvention of the character, and it, it was awful, but, you know, they were the first <gasps> to try it. Warner and DC were the first to try it. Oh, I'm sorry, Jess, did you like Catwoman?
0: <laughs> I actually really did. I was thinking about <laughs> it last night, actually, because last night I was watching Batman Returns, Mm-hmm. And I saw Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman was in that. And I was thinking about the other like solo Catwoman movie with Halle Berry. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that movie. That was pretty cool. Like, I don't know. I think I, I just like that movie because, um, well, first of all, I love villains. And I love the DC villains. DC has a way with their villains that is just so dark and gritty. But it just, I don't know. I just love it. And their stories, like their backstories and motivation is really what um, kind of got me into the whole thing, and I think the way that the that Catwoman movie uh, kind of portrayed her, um, like before she became Catwoman, and like her her life and um, her her motivation, and then transformation. It was just, I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. And I still remember, like, seeing it in the theaters when it came out. And I was super young. And I was like, yo, this girl is awesome. (laughs) Even though I prefer dogs to cats. But that's another story.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest flaws about that movie was the fact that you get a big star like Halle Berry. Now, she was coming off of um, X-Men and X-Men 2 as the character Storm. They were doing. They were gonna do Wolverine, and then they did Wolverine. And even though a lot of people said eh, it wasn't that great, they turned it into a franchise. Now, imagine what would have happened if they turned Halle Berry's Catwoman into a franchise. But anyway, getting back to um, <laughs> getting back to what I, the point I was trying to make is, you know, you got you got people like Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone is a big name in Hollywood. Benjamin Bratt. Doesn't really have as much star power. He was the love interest for Halle Berry. He was like the cop trying to find out who Catwoman was. She was, Halle Berry's character was dropping off all these hints and things hey, that I might be Catwoman. You never know. And and it just then what we didn't really feel like it clicked for me. Halle Berry and Benjamin Brad on screen together. It just it just didn't feel right. It felt forced for me. And and then you have the comic relief in. Alex Borstein who who is a great comedian i love her she's hysterical but really not a great fit for the kind of movie that they were trying to make and and i think ultimately what failed is is poor casting poor direction and and Honestly, the story was very shallow. What we have to look forward to, we can only go up from there. And I'm not trying to hate on the movie or 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 like belittle your opinion of of Catwoman. Personally, I didn't like it, and and you know those are my reasons why it just didn't come together
2: for me. Um, hey Roy, real yes. quick question about Catwoman. I'm I'm speaking in total ignorance, and I'll have to admit that off the rip. I've never seen the movie, and I, I knew it it you know suffered in the in the press and with. Uh, the critics. and wh- I think even uh, Halle Berry won like a Razzie Award for she her did. performance. She, she did. So she, I realize it's <laughs> not highly regarded. But um, do you think that it failed because it strayed so far away from its source material? I mean, we see that sometimes to make a film, it's a very different proposition than than making a comic book. And I know sometimes the comic book purists. You know they cringe if it just strays even a little bit if it retells the story to try to accommodate you know a two-hour film, but that one, from what I understand, really uh, it departed radically from source material, right?
1: Yeah, the uh, character that became Catwoman, her name was Patience Phillips. She was like, uh, she was like a transplanted version of Michelle Pfeiffer's Selina Kyle in Batman Returns. Like, she was like this. Uh, uh, do what everybody else asks her to do she's trying to make everybody happy um, you know she's just trying to get by and, and kissing a lot of butt but it you know completely completely different character uh, from Selena Kyle it was a complete stray away you know uh, uh, she was in a, a, a new city it wasn't wasn't Gotham City it was I don't think they ever actually told us the location for this film if they did, you know, I apologize. Somebody please uh, correct me. Um, but it was originally, uh, this was supposed to be a movie about Selena Kyle. And it was Michelle Pfeiffer was going to come back. and I do, do the, remember that. It, she was going to come back and, and do the movie. And, and Tim Burton was going to direct and it was going to be awesome. What we have to look forward to is basically talking about Catwoman the movie is... What we have to look forward to is this uh, female hero and villain uh, uh, film. And it's going to be basically a smorgasbord of female characters from the DC Universe. We've already got confirmation that we're going to have Poison Ivy. We're going to have Harley Quinn. uh, Catwoman might be in there. Um, Other female villains, maybe even some female heroes who wouldn't want to see Batgirl, Black Canary, Huntress, you know, the Birds of Prey show up and Mm -hmm. you know just to just to kick some ass but the uh but we'll have to see how it plays out the movie was only just announced we don't really have a lot of information i sincerely doubt that they've made any casting decisions yet at all so basing a rumor that someone's been cast or that she's even going to try for the role hey if she's doing it to try for the role more power to you good luck I hope she doesn't sure? get it, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I wanted to say about this about this uh, Megan Fox rumor is that it's it's kind of silly. It, everybody everybody talking about it is taking it a little bit too far. People are, you know how fans are when they get to commenting on on Facebook oh, posts yeah. and things like that. They're getting all uh, all up in arms about it, and I'm like, you know, everybody just take a step back and remember right. the poison ivy we got last time. Uh Uma Thurman and Batman and Robin, you cannot you can you can only go up from there. you can only do better so <laughs> it does it doesn't matter who gets cast in that role it's it's we're guaranteed that it's not going to be as bad as uma Thurman's poison Ivy was yeah,
2: yeah, totally different take on the character too, so yeah, I think we do have something to look forward to Jessica before I forget, you threw out two names
0: they were Emma Stone or Amy Adams.
2: Okay, Emma Stone, I thought that was a good call. I, I could see her in a role like that and bringing you know, a certain amount of, uh, of weightiness to the role. I, I think that would be very interesting. I wish I had thought of her.
1: Unfortunately, we can't use Amy Adams in the role of Poison Ivy because she already I... plays Lois Lane. <laughs> oh, really? Oh,
2: whoops. <laughs> 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 you know, ridiculous. I thought you <laughs> might have meant Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams oh, would hell, be a great no. choice, too. Yes, she could pull
1: that off. Um, personally, my my choice would be Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, you know, um, if you want to see, if you oh, wanna see,
0: yeah. that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of a throwback. You don't really see a lot of Evan Rachel Wood lately. Um, she does, uh, she, I think she does more indie films. Um, but she'd be she'd be a neat pick to uh, to put back in that role and and bring her to the forefront of of, of uh, cinema again. Because to be honest, I mean, you know, Emma Stone's great. We got Megan Fox. Uh, we got a couple of other, you know, female action heroes. Uh, who's that one? Um, oh my gosh, her name eludes me. Not not Charlize Theron. The other one, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh, uh, let's get those two mixed <laughs> the up. The other one. The other one. <laughs> the other one. You know, Scarlett Johansson. You know, we have we have very few very few powerful female uh, uh, actors. In Hollywood right now, that, that people can look up to, and I think you know, bring in some some of that talent, you know, out from the woodwork would would do wonders for that uh, uh, for that demographic. That being said, um, I do want to turn our attention to everything we do know so far about Gotham City Sirens, and then we can we can transition to the next topics here. Um, so what we do know about gotham city sirens is that it's going to be a spinoff of suicide squad margot robbie reprises her role as harley quinn um what we also know is that it is gonna be a, a team-up movie so it's gonna be harley quinn you can't have a harley quinn movie without having poison ivy so we're almost guaranteed to have poison ivy because it's a because it's an all female team up movie. We gotta have some big name female characters in the DC universe. So I fully anticipate we're gonna see Catwoman. Basically, that we have possibly Wonder Woman's gonna make an appearance. We have uh, um, what kind of characters? I don't think there's even a script for this movie yet. I just know that um, Margot Robbie's been pushing really hard for it, and finally got the green light. And now what they're doing is. They are pushing to have this movie scripted, cast, produced, filmed, and ready for distribution by 2018. And 2016 is already over. <laughs> it's basically we got we got like a week and a half left. Mm-hmm. So they got a lot of work to do in a very short amount of time. Now, if if they are shooting for a 2018 release, then. You know, what do you guys think that'll do to the film itself? Do you think we could still get a quality film with just a a little bit more than a year and a half of preparation and work? Or do you think something of this magnitude, an all-female team-up movie, is going to take
2: a little bit – should take a little bit more time? Needs a little bit more TLC, basically. I think it's doable. I think it's doable if they have certain things in place. Um, Obviously, the infrastructure – behind the scenes for the DC films is continuing to grow and I hope it becomes more stable. And I think that's what we're going to see as we move forward. Um, my thought is if they have so much material that they could not get into suicide squad, because correct me if I'm wrong, did, do we know, is it confirmed that that David Ayer would be directing?
1: Yes. He's
2: working oh. with Margot Robbie on, uh, on Gotham that's, city sirens. That's what I, that's what I thought. So, with that in mind, um, you have several key players that maybe they're picking up bits of the story or maybe uh, portions of the script that had been deleted at some point, um, and they're going to pick those up and they can tie them in not only to the plot of Suicide Squad, but maybe even with the Batman um, I think it's possible having this interconnected universe that they have some tools at their disposal that they haven't come forward with that will give them that edge and they can pull it off in time. They already have some momentum. If they don't have those things, then I tend to think that maybe they should hold off and and maybe that is pure marketing uh, to say that, hey, we're going to have it ready by this point to whet the appetites of the fans knowing that they may be able to delay the release at some point and say, hey, I mean, in similar fashion to what happened with Batman v. Superman, where uh, Snyder came forward and said, hey, you know, the vision is just so grand for this film that, you know, we're going to delay the release uh, roughly a year. So I think it's doable. Um, I just hope that that's what's going on behind the scenes. Jessica?
0: Okay. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I agree it is doable. I mean, technically – Anything is doable if you have enough money for it, which I'm sure that they do. But still, um, if they plan on doing this um, within the same year as two other major movies like uh, The Batman and I think Aquaman 2, that is ah, that take right. that takes that takes a lot of time, yeah. you know? And my worry is is that they will put more thought and effort into the Batman because that has uh that's like, you know, it has a lot of um expectations right now. It's like mm-hmm. a little more hyped hyped up at this point. And they'll be they they won't you know put as much into uh the Gotham City Sirens and kind of like, you know, kind of put it together last minute, kind of like Suicide Squad. But um, I feel like this is probably the first time that there has been a a totally female superhero movie, but it seems like a really big deal, especially because Mm -hmm. in the past, female heroes have not been portrayed very well or have been victims of objectification if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and however i really did like harley quinn in suicide squad i think she made that movie any good at all it was because of her and um so i'm excited to see her in that movie, again, but as for the other female heroes and villains or whatever they plan on, I think they need, they need more time for that. And they really need to like think about how they're going to look and how they're going to act and how they're going to interact with each other. That's very important, too. Because um, a lot of the times when females interact with each other in movies, they either don't get along or they're fighting over a boy. And, like, both of those (laughs) situations are not really necessary in this kind of movie, you know? So I think they need to just really take some time like focus on the batman release that when you want to focus on the aquaman make make that good too and then just like sit down and really flesh out and like think about what you're doing guys this is an all female movie it's very important to society so don't mess it up
1: <laughs> right there's a lot of pressure on uh, yeah. on Gotham City sirens both to do well not just as a movie for Warner Brothers but also as a starting point hopefully of you know a new trend in female leads getting away from that as you said Jess, a stereotypical objectification and also getting away from that fighting over a guy or love being the underlying you know uh motivation for everything that a female character will do in a movie. That actually you actually also Jess, you brought up another point which will be a great transition into our next topic. So let's let's bring it over to The Flash. Now The Flash was the third movie of 2018 that was supposed to be released. However, we lost not one, two directors to the movie. Both of them walked away because of creative differences. And now this movie that was originally slated to be released in 2018 is more than likely not coming out until the following year, 2019. The most recent director, uh, Rick Fumiyiwa, uh, I think that's how you say it. Uh, Fumiyiwa.
2: Yeah, we um, can go with that.
1: Let's we'll call him Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, yeah. Girl. I'm sorry. I had to do that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, (laughs) basically, uh, when he left, he basically came out and said, and I'm quoting directly from him here, when I was approached by Warner Brothers and DC about the possibility of directing The Flash, I was excited about the opportunity to enter this amazing world of characters that I loved growing up and still do to this day. I was also excited to work with Ezra Miller, who is a phenomenal young actor. I pitched a version of the film in line with my voice, humor, and heart. And while it's disappointing that we couldn't come together creatively on the project, I remain grateful for the opportunity. And I will continue to look for opportunities to tell stories that speak to a fresh generational, topical, and multicultural point of view. Um, So when he walked away, he had a vision for this movie. And based on that quote, what we're hearing is that he was going to tell a different kind of story than what we might have come to expect for a Flash Story or even a DC story, maybe that's where the creative differences came in. So, what I want to what I want to hear from you guys now is, um, now that we've lost two directors, um, and this movie is more likely than not going to be delayed um, by at least a year, who do you think could have the chops to put together a fantastic Flash movie that will do the do the character and the mythos justice, and who will also be able to create a visually stunning and engaging story on screen because remember the Flash is a lot of special effects. You have to you have to think about <laughs> you know him moving around quickly, the Speed Force, metahumans, all this stuff is going to have to come into play. So it is going to have to be spectacle, basically. So who who would you guys put in the director's chair? Jess, I'll start with you.
0: Okay. I've thought about this a lot and I did quite a bit of research and I, I actually have two different choices for two different kinds of situations, depending on how they end up uh, trying to portray this story. So uh, overachiever over here, but, um, (laughs) so my, my first choice was, tim burton and that is because well we know that he directed batman and batman returns and those were both met with pretty good feedback and they were everybody liked that and um i mean i liked it i liked the um the tone and the whole you know his his dark little aesthetic thing and it seems that as of late dc has been taking that dark route with their um, movies and the stories but the only thing is reading all of these articles about the different directors for the flash they always mention that they're going for this light-hearted tone whatever that means and we know that i'm i'm pretty sure those guys that did the Lego movie are producing it. So those guys, they throw in their jokes and they have a, a lighter tone. And so I thought, I don't know about Tim Burton teaming up with those two. They might kind of clash in terms of um, their ideas or like the aesthetic of the of the film. So mm-hmm. because of that, just in case, I had a backup director. And <laughs> that was Tim Miller, the guy that directed Deadpool, which was so heavy on the jokes, nice. and that was um, that was one of the reasons why it was so successful. I mean, I don't know like how that industry works because like Deadpool is a Marvel character, and he directed that. Like, if he's not allowed to do DC <laughs> movies, I don't know if that's the case. But yes, like Deadpool, everyone loved Deadpool because it was so funny, but it still had the action and the the story and everything was still there. And if that's what they're trying to do to make that movie successful too, then he could very well be an option to direct it. And okay. also, and one thing to note that I found out in my research, I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, no, please, go
1: ahead.
0: Tim Miller, Deadpool was his debut as in directing like a big film like that. And it did pretty well. And the cool. reason why I think one of the guys that left uh, from directing Flash, I think it was uh, Seth Graham Smith, I believe. they they kind of were worried that um it, it would be his first time doing it and they were worried because it's like a big budget like huge movie that it wouldn't you know he wasn't ready i guess but i mean tim miller did pretty well in his uh debut with deadpool so it's just it's it's interesting to note that and how like that whole industry thinks about things, you know.
1: Tim Miller, I that's kind of out of left field. I never would have thought of Tim Miller. Absolutely, he's, yeah. He is he is uh, you know, he is good. He's hot right now in Hollywood. And hey, if Warner Brothers can steal him from Fox to direct a Flash movie, I think right. I think we'd get something good because, you know, uh, with the jokes and with the humor, Tim Miller nails it and, you know, mm-hmm. Barry Allen's Flash is very talkative. He's very sarcastic and he likes to make jokes while he's fighting his villains. I think, I think Tim Miller might be a good fit, too. Uh, Sartre,
2: what about you? What's uh, bubbling around in your head right now? Well, I'll be glad to tell you. I do have to admit, though, um, I think it's going to be hard to top uh, Jessica right now because that was out of left field. I wouldn't have even thought of that. Of that option, and I think that's brilliant. Um, so, in a similar vein, I'm like Jessica in that I wonder how these things work, and and are you allowed to jump sides, so to speak, creatively? Um, because the two names I want to throw out there have uh, an attachment to um, either Marvel properties or at least Disney uh, properties, and um, and yeah. so let me explain why I'm going to suggest them. Uh, they may not be the most creative suggestions, but because of some of the very things that Roy pointed out, this needs to be science fictional, edgy kind of thing. It needs to be spectacular. Um, this is The Flash's very first standalone film, and we want it to succeed. We want you know Warner Brothers to be able to knock it out of the park, and I think – it might be a better idea to pick a director with an established name that, um, that people will say, oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I would, I would be curious to see what his version of The Flash looks like. So two that I believe can pull off um, spectacular, action-packed. But also light in the appropriate ways, because I like Jessica, I've read that they they do want to kind of – not that they're going to abandon uh, kind of the dark uh, edge that DC brings to the table, but they do want to – it is my understanding for the Flash standalone film and for the Cyborg standalone film – go a little lighter so that they can appeal to like the middle school set, high school set. If that is true, Joss Whedon as a possibility – and then the one that I is my personal favorite. If you could get J.J. Abrams to direct something like that, I would be curious to see it. That was the biggest build-up to
1: J.J. Abrams that I ever heard. <laughs> 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 no, that's good because you know J.J. J. Abrams, he's he's well known for flip-flopping. I mean, before he did Star Wars, he did Star Trek, I, and he's a good director. He's he he can he can. uh Show you the intensity of a scene, um, just just by the way the camera angles at that particular scene. He can he can put everybody exactly where he wants them to be. He can make everything look absolutely amazing. He's famous for his use of the lens flare in uh, a lot of his scenes, and you know I think he he might actually be a, a really good. If we're talking from a visual spectacle standpoint I think JJ Abrams would be a very good fit now my pick my pick for a director is someone who is you know very well established who has worked in the kind of films that the skills obtained from working those films would be a necessity um, he's done a lot of great movies every single one that he's almost every single one that he's done has been either an amazing success. Or, like, an underground success, you know, like, he, like they'll build very niche followings. Um, and every time he puts out a new movie, he finds a way to grab the viewer, like, just just grab their attention and not let go. Like, hold on for dear life, you are going to watch this film and you're going to enjoy it, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of situation. Um, or, you know, you're not going to be able to look away because... Not only are his movies visually stunning, but it's also so intense and the stories that he's able to tell on screen are so intense that you can't help but just keep watching, waiting to see what happens next. Um, My choice for a director for the Flash movie would be David Fincher. Now, for those of you who don't know who David Fincher is, he is the director of House of Cards. He he helped create House of Cards on on Netflix that stars uh, Kevin Spacey. He's done The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, he directed Gone Girl, The Never Ending Story, oh, Fight wow. Club. Like this guy has <laughs> this guy has done everything, and you know because of that, I think he brings a very unique viewpoint to the table if anybody and this is it doesn't even have to be a flash movie if anybody should be tapped to direct a warner brothers dc film it's got to be david fincher because he's an amazing storyteller he knows how to grab your attention and keep it he knows how to keep the story going without losing you without going too long i mean i think the only thing that he had um maybe even maybe even a little bit of trouble with was the girl with the dragon tattoo but that's that's it i mean gone girl was phenomenal and he's worked with ben affleck so you know that he and ben like kind of have a thing you know Mm -hmm. um they've worked together before so ben knows how to act with him if you get david fincher to direct a batman movie i mean oh my god it would be perfect um, or even Justice League, bring him back for Justice League Part Two. Let's do it. Let's get a Let's get him on board. Let's take Zack Snyder out. You know how Marvel had Joss Whedon for ten years. Let's get rid of Zack Snyder because I don't want him handling DC for <laughs> ten years. Let's put David Fincher in the seat and let's see what he does. Put David Fincher and Jeff Johns, both amazing storytellers, together. And and you'll just have movie magic. It it'll never stop. It'll make billions and billions of dollars, and people will be like, "Ah, oh, the DC's better than Marvel." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nice call. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so that people end up saying that after this round of movies. Um, and I hope people aren't getting you know fatigued from all the movies that are that are coming out. I know DC's got a lot of catching up to do to build their universe. Um, but people are starting to go, yeah, you know, this is a, this is a really that great. We've had 3 movies come out in the DC extended universe so far, and we need somebody who's going to shake everything up, who's going to say, "Let's take everything that we've done and turn it on its head and find a way to make it work with what I'm going to do from now on." And the the I can't think of anybody better for the job than David Fincher. Not to say that you guys don't have good picks, cuz no. I would love I would love to see J.J. Abrams or Tim Burton back in the director's chair directing a DC superhero um, but, you know, for me, I have to think, I have to think of, um, you know, from where I come from, I have to think of, uh, not just being a DC fan, but also being a, a movie goer. You want to, you want to expand your reach beyond that target demographic. You want something that everybody's sure. going to like. So, uh, you know, you got to think about that. I think David Fincher is good about capturing a wider audience. He's got the, he's got the chops. So, I mean... Warner Brothers, what are you waiting for? Let's make it happen.
2: Right, right, yeah. <laughs>
1: good call. <laughs> Very interesting. Anything, uh, anything else you guys want to add about The Flash? Other oh. than I can't wait for it? <laughs> well, it's going to be a great movie. I'm really sad that they can't get a director down. Um, I think it should be David Fincher, but, uh, you know, it's uh, – and and you guys have your picks, but I think it – you know, eventually if we're going to have a good Flash movie, it, it's got to happen, you know, we got to get a director – who is able to create his own vision or her own vision and mm-hmm. also line it up with what they want for the DC Extended Universe. And if they can't find somebody to do that, then essentially Flash is dead in, sil- in cinema. I mean, you can't have that. The Flash is a really popular character right now. You know, yes. um, with the TV show, with the you know the CW TV-verse, with the, with the DC Comics, the Rebirth uh, uh, story arc right now, everything that's going on with the rebirth is centered around flash like flash it flash started the new 52 you know it's the dc is really pushing the flash and if you're gonna push the flash you need somebody who is good at the helm so i I really hope they pick somebody uh who is gonna be able to do for the flash what they've been able to do in the comics for him so that's gonna bring us to our final topic something that i'm really excited about talking about the release date for The Batman, okay? The Batman is scheduled now for a 2018 release. Um, that makes it possibly the third or even fourth film that is going to be released um, in 2018. We have Aquaman, we have The Flash, we have Gotham City Sirens, and now we have Batman. As we just mentioned earlier, The Flash might get kicked back to 2019, so... If we were going to have the Batman come out in 2018, Ben Affleck's already working on it. We got Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke. Um, Army Hammer is being rumored to play some kind of role in the DCEU, possibly in the Batman solo film, because he's been spending a lot of time with Joe Manganiello. And they follow each other on Twitter, trolling people. Jeff John started following him on Twitter, so everybody goes nuts. Yeah, when celebrities follow each other on Twitter, um, sometimes it's just because they're new friends, But more often than not, it's because, hey, we're going to be working together on something. So, you know, we at least know that there's something going on with the Batman. We're all going to be really excited about it. And 2018 is going to be a crazy year for DC movies with all the films coming out, especially after 2017. We got Justice League. We got Wonder Woman coming out. What I want to know from you guys is based on what we saw of Batman in Batman v Superman. Let's look at it this way. What kind of Batman movie would you want to see? Do you want to see um a continuation of that character after the events of Batman v Superman or would you rather see a prequel uh of sorts leading up to the events like how he became the way he was? Does that does that really does that really matter so much to people how he became the way he was? People want to know how did Robin die? I know that much. You know, um, tell us a story about Robin. But when it comes down to continuity, you know, we already we're already bouncing all over the place. We got um, Batman v Superman, and now Wonder Woman, which is going to be set, I think, mm-hmm. during World War One or World
2: War Two. World, yeah. World War One, yes.
1: Yeah, it's going to be set back in like the 1910s, 1920s. So, and then we're jumping again. Um, so the DC universe is going to take place all over, all across time. So pretty much anything is up for grabs. Yeah. Would you rather see a younger Batman uh, before he became so callous or would you rather see uh, a solo movie after the events of Batman v Superman, obviously after the events of Justice League where where Batman is, is kind of become even more hardened but possibly even a little bit... Uh, a little bit softer because of the teaming up with the Justice League. I mean, it could go any way. It can go in any mm. direction. What What would make a good Batman movie for you guys using Ben Affleck's Batman? Jess? Ooh,
2: ooh. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so <you've> got-
0: um, <laughs> I think it could be interesting to make uh, the Batman maybe some sort of a – origin story or maybe like a prequel because that hasn't been done in a while. And I think that um, now with the kind of uh, technology that we have, it could be told um, not, not in a different way, but in a more like modern way, I guess, if that makes sense. And I think it would just be interesting to see how they would tell that now, like so many years after when they first did it in the movies so it could it it could be interesting to do that and it would also kind of you know take a step away from all the other uh stories that are going on now with um you know, like the Batman v. Superman and Justice League and all that stuff and kind of just, like, go back to the basics and, like, th- this, is, this is why we like this guy. Remember, everybody? Like, th- look, look at what he's been through. Look at who he is now. This is what made him the man you see before you today. So I think it could be interesting.
2: I like that. Sark, what about you? Oh, yeah. Here, I would love to weigh in. I like prequel idea. Prequel does not necessarily mean origin. And because Ben Affleck was purposely portraying an older Bruce Wayne than he personally is, I think it would be a good season to take advantage of that. I know that many fans feel like, yo, that wouldn't it be great if we could get like three standalone Batman films with Ben Affleck? I think that's doable. Uh, I hope we do see that. But for this first one, before he ages much more... I think it would be nice to um let him play a not a young young Bruce Wayne but younger than we saw in Batman v Superman where he doesn't have to have the makeup to age him. And if anything, if it's spread out over say like a 5 year period, if the if the story within this film is spread out over more than just say a month or a year, um, with digital effects, you know, you can erase some of those crow's feet and, and make someone look just a tad bit younger. You could age him roughly five years and take him from say like 35 to 40 or from 37 to 42. Um, and I think it would flesh out the universe even more because we would be seeing, uh, what led to him becoming darker, uh, uh a, a more embittered Bruce Wayne. That was the big deal. Zack Snyder wanted to make sure that everyone knew that this is not the Bruce Wayne we were accustomed to. He's been retired for roughly 10 years. There was something that led to that premature retirement. And there's a reason that he's subject to giving into the paranoia when the alien known as Superman shows up. So I would love to see a film that starts out with him being maybe more optimistic Kind of end with a little darker tone like The Empire Strikes Back where you see him giving in to the despair. I don't mind the uh, Robin origin story or the, uh, the um, Jason Todd story being told as a part of that. I know that that's been suggested. We're not going to see that. But something to bring us to that dark place and then for the future Batman films, show him post-Justice League where he is now the more optimistic figure, you know, he still has that dark edge to him, but um, he's more of a team player, and uh, the renewed vision that Superman has given him because of his sacrifice is very apparent, so I would love to see something like that.
1: That's really really good insight, you know, because um, like you said, he's got all this makeup on, he looks older than he actually is, he should take Mm -hmm. advantage of that, I think so too. Um, My idea for the for a Batman movie was well, let's let's explore something about Batman in the movies that we've that we've never explored before. There's some kind of massive traumatic event um, that caused him to be the way he is, and mm-hmm. you know, it's people want to know why are you like this. This, is, this mm-hmm. is one of the questions that that you might ask any you might ask anybody more than anything else in, the, in for the rest of your life. Why are you like? Why is this person like this? Um, and when a character as interesting as Batman comes along, and he's and he's being portrayed in a certain way, because he's such a beloved character, we have to know everything about him. We have to know, you know, what makes him tick. Why is he like? Why is he the way he is? Who made him this way? And you know, what is he going to do about about that situation? So it basically, you take any anything from from the seventy five now plus years of Batman's history and make a two-hour movie out of it, two-and-a-half-hour movie out of it, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you know, not Zack Snyder's method of storytelling, but, um, <laughs> you know, we'll let Ben Affleck's Oscars speak for themselves. Um, yeah. You know, so it basically comes down to is what kind of, you're right, what kind of prequel would be the best to tell? Obviously, you don't want to go too far back in his history because, you know his most his most recent uh, most recent origin story was only told eleven years ago, so yeah. granted, there's a whole generation of people that are alive now who weren't when Batman Begins came out, uh, but you know it's it, it, there's also. A lot of the older fans were like, okay, we get it. Batman's parents were shot. Let's move on. And we even got a taste of that in Batman v Superman. So you could essentially say, okay, we know how Batman became Batman. Now let's see how he became the Batman that we just saw in this movie. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting to see that. Like, um, For example, when you see a movie like Batman or Batman Returns, he's already Batman. And mm-hmm. they and they worked out his origin as flashbacks, which was perfect because then you don't have to worry about telling the story of how he became Batman. You can just focus on the story and then give little flashes or blips or of mm-hmm. his origin and just keep keep the story going. That's another that's another great thing about Tim Burton, Jess that that I think can be added along to your choice is that Tim Burton knows how to tell a story so um as far as Batman goes, I mean, the only logical thing that we can do now as far as as far as pleasing the fans is tell the story, because that that was the first thing out of everybody's mouth, Even be- long before this movie came out, when people put when uh, when they published that photo of the uh, Robin costume with Joker's writing on it and started saying, oh, something happened to Robin. Everybody's like, what? What mm-hmm. happened to Robin? What do we, you know, we need to know. Tell us this story, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the only logical thing to do is to tie up those loose ends because it never really gets explained in the movie. And, you know, the only thing left that we can do is uh, is wait and hope that Ben Affleck does it justice. And that his cast is, his cast is, is so far, I mean, it's just him and Joe Manganello, But Joe Manganello is a fantastic actor. Um, some of you might know him as the bully Flash Thompson from the first Spider-Man right. movie. Um, or as the werewolf guy in True Blood, um, that hooked up with Sookie yep. Stackhouse. So it's you know, he can play a bunch of different roles, and he's you know, uh, in in one when he's Flash Thompson, he's very <laughs> bullish and 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 aggressive, and then in the True Blood, he's only aggressive when he has to be, and that's kind of more along the lines of Deathstroke, which I which I feel like is uh, a good a good reason to pick him, is because mm-hmm. he he's done a role where he has to be in complete control of his emotions at all times in order to be an effective uh,
2: uh effective killer. So Hey Roy, I think we also have and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think we also have confirmed for the Batman movie, and speaking of Gravitas, we have uh the return of Alfred, and then we also have um Commissioner Gordon, and help me with the actors' names. Jeremy Irons. J.K. Simmons is J.K. Simmons, Gordon. thank you. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. J.K. Simmons, Perfect. another phenomenal actor. I mean, yes, I mean, yes, I love him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you got you got great actors like Jeremy Irons. Um, I loved him as he played a good Scar. Jeremy Irons is is always going to be Scar to me. Okay. Um, and then you know J.K. Simmons was awesome as J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, who who could have done that any better? Uh, you couldn't. You couldn't have put Ed Asner, who did the voice of J. Jonah in the '90s Spider-Man cartoon. Um, you couldn't have put Ed Asner in a role and have him do better than J.K. Simmons. I, it yeah. was it was just perfect. And to see him, him now flip flop and come over to DC, uh, just like we need Tim Miller to. Uh, yes, uh, you know it's it's going to be really interesting. Um, the last I think the last Jim Gordon we had was on on in movies. We have we have Ben McKenzie. Who plays jim gordon on gotham of course and then also he played batman in the animated film batman year one where brian cranson played commissioner gordon um but you have ben mckenzie who played commissioner gordon uh who played james gordon you have um gary oldman who played james gordon now i will say this i liked i liked gary oldman's james gordon but his character never got fleshed out i think we never got to see we never got to see the kind of jim gordon that we're used to seeing like the Jim Gordon from Batman, the animated series, the commissioner right. Gordon there. He was a much more involved character in the mythos. This yeah. Jim Gordon was kind of like playing second tier. Like he was always one step behind Batman or Batman was kind of leading him around by his tie. So <laughs> JK Simmons is an actor who commands the room that he's in. So it's going to be really, really awesome and amazing to see uh, his version of Commissioner Gordon. And, I, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> any, well said. Oh, so we're coming to the end here. Uh, I, we touched on all the topics that we wanted to talk about. Does anybody have any final thoughts about anything uh, going on in general in the DC Extended Universe today? We talked about Megan Fox's Poison Ivy. We talked about Gotham City Sirens. We talked about The Flash, uh, possible new directors. Uh, we talked about the release dates, all this stuff. So... um Anything to add at all from anybody?
2: Yeah, I've I've got plenty. I would love to talk about, but if I want, I'm just so pressed for time. I'm going to have to keep my comments <laughs> to myself.
1: Okay. Well, there's there are plenty <laughs> more podcasts to come in the future, so you'll yeah. have plenty of plenty of time to uh, hash those out. Um, Jess, any any final thoughts? Any last words you want to put in?
0: I mean, I guess all we can say at this point is that. There's a lot going on right now. There's a lot to look forward to in the next, like, few years. And, I mean, ultimately, it's not our decision, even though we should be the ones in the writer's room. (laughs) But, (laughs) I, I mean, we'll have to see what happens, you know?
1: All right. There is a lot going on in the DC universe, and there's also a lot going on right here at this podcast. We always got stuff to talk about every week, so please come back and join us every every week for a new episode. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at DC Films Podcast, my personal Twitter account at DCN underscore Roy. Uh, Sark, what's your Twitter?
2: At Holy Bat Pastor, and I would look forward to having a conversation with anyone there. Jess.
0: My Twitter is at resjossie. Also would love to talk to anyone that wants to talk.
1: So, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, everybody who wants to talk about this, I know you guys love listening to the podcast, and so we're really appreciative. We definitely want to talk to you guys more one-on-one. What, what do you guys think about the DC Extended Universe and where it's headed? How, what directors would you pick? For a new Flash movie. We want to hear from you guys. So uh, so definitely you know, comment on the post. Uh, on social media underneath. Where this podcast gets posted. Um, go on our website. DCFilmsPodcast.com Click on the most recent episode. And, and listen and share your thoughts there. And interact with us on Twitter. You know we're we're all constantly on because we lack real social lives, so we <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just a, a mobile phone and Wi-Fi network away. So, um, with that being said, we we really appreciate you guys tuning into this week's episode of the DC Films Podcast, episode twenty-three, and uh, we hope you join us again next week when we'll have more to talk about. So, again, for DC Films Podcast, my name is Roy. I'm Sark.
0: And I'm Jess.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.